If you brought your Bible, turn with me to John. John chapter 19 is our text today. We're in the third installment or the third sermon on the seven words. Seven words. You know, we use this word that we're going to talk about today extremely loosely, don't we? Oftentimes we walk by people and say, well, I love you, man. Hey, I sure love you. Love you. We sign it at the end of our letters, love you much, love you always. We use that word just almost flippantly sometimes as just a, something that we just throw out there. Love is important. Every one of us need it. Every one of us desire it. I've never met a person that came up to me and said, Dan, I don't want to be loved. I don't even want to be liked. I don't even want to be loved. I don't love anybody, and I don't want to be loved. I've never met anybody like that. If, they, if I have, I thank God uh, he took them out of my life, and they're not around me any longer because everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be recognized, and everybody wants to be loved. It is the single most important lesson that you and I learn in life is how to love like Jesus loved. Learning how to love like God loves you. God demonstrated his own love towards you and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. That is the greatest gift and the greatest example of love that we could ever, ever ask for. So as I was was unpacking and thinking through these seven words that I've seen from the cross, I started thinking about the whole reason that God put us on the planet is not to make more money, although we all want to do that, don't we? There's not a person, I've never been around anybody that says, well, I don't want to make a lot of money. Well, I really think they're not telling the truth there because everybody wants to make more resources because many of them can give more. They have a passionate heart to give more, make more money. We want to make more money so that we can retire earlier. I love those people that get to retire. My father retired at 60 years old. He retired from the Alabama Power Company after 40 years of service in middle management and they bought him out because they needed to get rid of some of the older guys to bring in some younger guys. And so they made it very, very interesting for these older middle management, upper management guys to retire. And at 60, he lasted two weeks and he went back to work for 11 more years. He said, I just can't stand it. He said, your mama's about to kill me. So he said, I had plenty of money to retire, vested retirement program, all the stock options and all of those things. And he, he, but he said, I can't, I'm tired of sitting at home and listening to your mama tell me how many times I got to mow the grass. You see, we all are thinking that we're here to make more money so that we can retire, to give more money away, to take care of our family, to have more fun until we die. God put you and I here on the planet to learn how to love one another, to learn how to love each other, to learn how to love like Christ loved. Now, even before the cross, He was completely exhausted, Christ was. He was fatigued from all the blood loss. He had gone through an excruciating 
period of time for 24 hours when he was arrested. They took him to uh, council, took him through six trials, three Roman trials and three Jewish trials, all of which were completely illegal because they did no trials in the middle of the night. They didn't do those at night. They rushed him through so that they could get to this point and Christ had not slept hardly any at that time. They tortured him. They placed a crown of thorns on his head. They pushed them down where blood was running down his face. They spit on him. They mocked him. They, they cursed him. The Bible said they pulled out portions of his beard to, 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 for fun. They just reached up and grabbed portions of his beard just to pull it out and just excruciating pain. They scourged him. They beat him with a, a, a lashes with a cat of nine tails that had bone and glass and metal on it to rip the skin when they did that. They did all of that and then we they nailed him to the cross. It's not like he could just put him on the cross. They had to do all of this other. And so Christ was, not only was he beaten down, not only was he bruised, not only was he mocked, not only was he spit upon, scourged, talked about, but his friends weren't even there. He's on the cross hanging there between two thieves. And we find that many Biblical theologians, much smarter than I, that I've read through that sound that Mary was a widow at this time. Joseph had passed away and, and Mary was a widow and tradition tells us that she lived 12 more years after Jesus died on the cross. And I want you to understand she's standing there in front of her only begotten son. And while we see all the horrific situations from the cross, we see this beautiful portrait of love permeating from the cross. John chapter 19, verse 25 through 27, the New, uh, Living, the new uh, uh, International Version translation says it this way. Now the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary and the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. And he said to his mother, dear woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, he said, here's your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her, Jesus' mother, he took her into his home. I want us to unpack today. I wanna to give you four ideas on to love like Jesus, what we must do to love like Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight today. God, as we unpack your word today and as we look at cross references of verses and, and see what love, how love was portrayed from the cross, how you taught us that day now, 2,000 years later, we can look at these passages and realize what a great portrait of love. And if there's ever a greater time than now in North America and around the world as well, but especially here in our own country, we need to learn to love one another. We need to learn to love like you loved, Lord, that you gave your life for us. And Father, I pray that we will walk away from this place completely different, completely understanding what true love is all about. And God, help us 
today to begin to love like you love. And we thank you, Father, for your word. It never returns void. Do your work through it today. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. I, to learn, to, to love like Jesus love, I must, first of all, I must care for my own family. I must care for my own family. Now, I want you to gather in here real close and understand me. We should care for one another, but we have a huge responsibility to care for our own families. We must care for our own family. Love is not just something that you say. It's not just a saying that you speak. It's not just a line that we use. It's not just something that we do. It is a choice that we make. Love is action. Love is a verb. It is an action that we perform. In the middle of all the Jesus's pain, he he does three things for his mother. First of all, he pays attention to his mother. Folks, let me tell you something. We must pay attention to our own family. I'm talking about our immediate family and our extended family. I'm not talking about our people that we call family, the family of God. We'll deal with that in just a moment. I'm talking about immediately. We, especially dads, we have a huge responsibility to not let the government take care of our people, not let the, the, the church take care of our family, but we have a huge responsibility that we take care of our own family. We do that by paying attention. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. This is one of those commands that has a promise with it. It says, honor your father and mother, for it is right for the Lord. It, 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 honor your father and your mother. Attention is one of the greatest gifts that you and I can give to our families. Let me illustrate that. I love this illustration, because, and I've used it time and time again, but I, I like it because it's personal. I have one son, you know that, and he lives up in, in Midtown, and He's married, he's a great guy. But when he was a little tight a couple of years ago, he would come into my study, I office at home, and so I have a study, and I would be writing or working on a sermon or working on a Bible study or working on some plans for Honduras or any other international project that I might have or just in the office working. And so Seth would come in just before he went to college, he said, daddy, daddy, daddy. And he, no, he was a little bitty tight. He would run into my office and he would say, daddy, daddy. I said, yes, son, yes. He said, no, daddy, daddy. Then he would finally reach up and grab my face and turn my face towards him he was needing my attention there was nothing greater for me to do than to stop I know you needed the sermon written. I know that the Bible studies for my corporate ministry needed to be done. I noticed I needed to take care of all the stuff in Honduras and all those things but at that moment the one who loved me with all his little heart needed my attention. Attention is giving your life away. It is taking your time and giving your time. I can't get back time. I can make more money. I can make more resources. I can create more wealth. I can do all of those things with work. I can do all of those things, but I can't make more time. The moment I got up here a few moments ago, it's over. I cannot recall that time. I cannot make that time back. So we need to make the most 
of our time. So we need desperately to pay attention to the ones that we are in care of. Make the most of her time. Jesus hanging on the cross is giving his full attention to his mother. His full attention to his, not his own personal needs. He'd already taken care of the need of the thief on the cross and said, today you will be with me in paradise. And so he took care of that, but his mom is standing there and he is meeting her need by paying attention to her. There's another word for that. It's called respect. It's called respect. If you haven't seen disrespect from children and parents to their kids, then go to Walmart because you'll find it there. And you say, well, don't, are you ditching Walmart? No, go to Target. It doesn't matter. Go to Publix and watch how families react in public. And we see some of the disrespect. Folks, let me tell you something. Respect is another word for paying attention. When we're not paying attention to our loved ones, the one that God's entrusted to us, we are disrespecting them and disrespecting the word of God. It says, honor your father and your mother. Listen to me, young folk in the room. If you've got aging parents, it's not the government's responsibility to take care of them. The government's responsibility is to protect us. Amen? Amen. Can I get it? I mean, even the most liberal person in the room ought to say amen to that. Amen? Amen? It is not their responsibility. It is our responsibility, Paul, to take care of our own, to take care of our families, to minister to those who need ministering too. So that is a word, respect. You may be tuning each other out. You need to honor people with with paying attention to them when they ask of you. Now, I'll I'll be honest with you. There's sometimes my older generation takes advantage of that. You do. You wear us out, man. Do we have to go to Walgreens 15 times? Can we just get it all at once? Amen. Folks, we, we need to honor them. We need to take care of our own family by paying attention, secondly, by meeting practical needs. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, listen to what the word says. Not my words, his words. Show respect for widows who really are all alone. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn first to carry out their religious duties toward their own family and in this way repay their parents and grandparents because that is what pleases God. Folks, let me tell you something. We should meet the practical needs. Jesus has nothing to give from an inheritance standpoint here. He doesn't have anything to give to his mother. Uh, What he does have, he has a friend standing close by, and he trusts his own mother to one of his closest disciples, one of his closest friends. Mary is stated throughout the scripture as a righteous woman, a great woman, a godly woman, but gather in here close, folks. She is not God. Mary is not God. Jesus on the cross and Jesus is not praying to Mary. She is not God. In fact, the matter, he knew she needed help and he is providing for her. So she's not providing for him. He's providing for her. He leans over and says, John, I want you to take care of mom. My words, not God's words. You see, that's what he's saying. Show respect 
for the widows. If anyone, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, watch this, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Worse than an unbeliever? Brothers and sisters, let that just sink in for a second. You are worse than an unbeliever if you are not taking care of your immediate family. Brothers and sisters, it's not my words, it's God's word. So I must care for my own family by paying attention, by meeting practical needs, and finally, by giving emotional support. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says, friends, love through all kinds of weather and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. Now, folks, let me tell you something. Mary didn't have it easy. Mary didn't have it easy. Think with me just for a second. She was going through emotional pain for a long time, an unexplainable birth. Her fiance, she had to go to her fiance and say, hey, by the way, we've never had sex, but honey, I'm pregnant. Not only am I pregnant, but I'm pregnant with the Son of God. I mean, that's a pretty big, heavy deal, right? I mean, that's pretty style stuff. And so she's going through this unexpected emotional pain. And then she's, she's saying, I'm a virgin and, I, and I'm pregnant with God's son. And being told early on that you're even your own child is going to suffer. And a few years later, she had, finds out that she needs to flee the area because Herod wants to kill all the babies two years and younger. Two years and, uh, and younger, he wants to dis- eliminate them. And even later, she grows up in ministry and, and, and she sees the criticism that her own son is receiving from her own neighbors. He's tortured as a criminal, beaten to a glory, bloody, almost a bloody death. She is going through some difficult times, some emotional stress. And so brothers and sisters, let me tell you, Mary needed emotional support and Jesus hanging on the cross, he knew that. And he leans over and says, John, Take care of mother. How do you do that? Families stick close together. Husbands, gather in here close. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. I want to see how many of you will lie or be honest with me, brothers in the room. How many of you are just knocking it out of the ballpark in that area? Raise your hand. Not a one of us. Every one of us need to love our wives more. Love our wives as Christ loved the church. Now, I know many of you are doing a good job of that, and you've done a good job of it for 100 years because some of you have been married that long because you're that old. I just love you. I'm going to tell you the truth. Amen. You get the new guy in here. He won't say that stuff, right? He'll be nice. But we all need to learn to love our wives. We need to be examples for our kids. They don't need to see it on television. They don't need to watch a movie to get that example. They need to see the example at home. I must care for my own family we lead by serving others 
I say this often, I serve Christ by serving you. The purest example of me serving Christ is when I'm serving you. So I must care for my own families. Number two, if I'm gonna learn to love like Jesus, I must treat others, other believers as family. Now treat other believers as family. First Timothy chapter five, verse one through two says, do not rebuke an older man in the church but appeal to him as your father. Treat your younger men as your brothers. Treat your older women as mothers and treat your younger women as sisters with all purity. Honestly, an unbeliever can take care of their own family. An unbeliever can. They know how to do that. They know how to provide for their own family. But to be Christ-like loving, we must care for other fellow believers. God's family. Brothers and sisters in the church, in the family of God. We hear this phrase oftentimes, blood is thicker than water. But folks, let me tell you something. That is true. Blood is thicker than water. But I think an even greater statement is this, that grace is thicker than genetics. Grace is thicker than genetics. We need to present the message of Christ that we love one another. If you're a Christ follower... It's biblically clear that we are to take care of one another. If you have your Bibles, turn with me real quickly to Matthew's gospel, chapter 12. Matthew's gospel, chapter 12. I want you to pick it up in verse 46. And he talks about relationships in the church in verse 46, and we'll land at verse 50. But here's what it says. While he was standing, speaking to multitudes, behold, his mother and his brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. And someone said to him, behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But he answered the one who was telling him and said, who is my mother? Who is, are my brothers? And they, they stretched out their hands toward the disciples. And he said, behold, my mother and my brothers. Verse 50, for whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and he is my sister. I've added the he. And he's my brother and sister and mother. Folks, what I'm trying to say to you, that we as genuine Christ followers, it is a responsibility for us to serve the older believers in the congregation congregation to lift them up and follow up behind that the older generation population of the new testament church it is your responsibility to mentor and love and work alongside with the new believers we need to change the paradigm in what church looks like we must take care of each other. Learn to love together. Learn to work together. That's why Paul writes to the church at Rome in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, be devoted to each other like a loving family. Excel in showing respect for each other. Let me illustrate that. Jesus had four half brothers and two half sisters. They all had brother, mothers and dads, earthly parents, But Jesus only had an earthly mother, Mary. He had a heavenly father. He he didn't have. And so these half-siblings of Jesus, they were not believers until after the resurrection. John MacArthur goes in detail about that, and I.J. Packer does as well, about understanding that they didn't come to faith in Christ. But you think about it. Think about being the half-brother or half-sister of the Messiah. He's never made a mistake. He doesn't do anything wrong. 
He never has told a lie. He didn't in pick up sticks or dominoes or whatever game they might be playing or kickball or soccer or whatever they might have been playing during the biblical days. He never cheated. He never did anything wrong. He never said anything wrong. He never acted wrong. He never disrespected his parents. He was sinless. That would be no fun living with a guy like that, would it not? I mean, you can't run tell mama, Jesus, he broke the rule. No, he never did that. So they didn't believe this Messiah thing. Can you imagine being the half-brother or sister to Jesus? Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, whenever we have the opportunity to help one another, anyone, we should do it. But we should give special attention to those who belong to the family of believers. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, share each other's troubles and problems. In this way, obey the law of Christ. The best way you and I can show, uh, share uh, in the burdens of others is through a connected small group where we we get together as the body of Christ. We come into a room like this to celebrate Jesus, but to get to know one another, to help one another, we call it disciples path here. We call it Sunday school here. Some churches call it life groups. Some churches call it small groups. Folks, let me tell you something. You want to see a big church get small? Get in small group. Get in small group. I had mine yesterday, or Friday actually small group. That's when I meet with my guys. There's 12 of us meet in a conference room in a business office in Birmingham. It's, Paul, it's my small group. They, now, they have other small groups that they're involved in, but this is the one that I'm able to attend because I'm here on Sundays. But I love meeting with these brothers. We hold one another accountable. We've got a couple of real issues going on in their families, and we would not know that if we we're in the big arena of Church of Brook Hills of 4,000 people. We would not know that. Folks, we knew that because we're together meeting in small group. Folks, if you can only do one hour for God a week, please do it in small group Sunday school. I challenge you, don't come in this room. Come a little bit early. We'll plug you into a phenomenal teaching class and you will grow. We got this rig. We figured this out. If you get connected there, we know that you'll probably hang around here too. But folks, if you really want to be connected as brothers and sisters in Christ and fulfilling what God has called us to be as Christ followers, get involved in a small group. I must treat other believers as family. Number three, I need to learn to see others' pain even when I'm in pain. Others' pain even when I'm in pain. The older I get, the more pains I have. Amen? I mean, I've had surgeries to replace knees and torn meniscus and this and that and the other. And, you know, I'm doing my best to lose the weight, but you keep taking me to eat the banana pudding. I keep falling and just messing up. But we all have, the older we get, the body parts start wearing out. It happens. And I find myself, when I'm in the most pain, it's all about me. I don't look at everybody else's pain. I look at mine. When we are in the most pain, it's the most self-centered we get. Pain makes us look inward. Jesus hanging on the cross. 
He is in excruciating pain, beard pulled out, blood flowing down through his eyes from the thorns in his crown. In his crown. He has beaten up, skin ripped from his body. And what does he do? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Today, thief, you will be in paradise with me. It means when I'm in the most pain, I still need to look around to see who's in worse pain than I am in. First, Philippians chapter two, verse five, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. First Peter chapter four, verse one says, since Christ suffered and underwent pain, you must have the same attitude he did. You must be ready to suffer too. For remember when your body suffers, sin loses its power. He wants us to take whatever pain that we might have and use it to help someone other in worse pain than we're in. We need to learn we need to learn to see others' pain even when we are in pain. Must treat other believers like families. Must take care of our own family first. And finally, if I want to learn to live like Je- love like Jesus loves, I must meet others' needs even if mine are not being met. Meet others' needs. I, I could tell you, brothers and sisters, the North American people, we in North America, we're the most self-centered people on the planet. You say, wow, you're just slamming us. Well, we are. It's all about us, isn't it? It's all about us. USA. There's nothing wrong with patriotism. I am the most patriot guy in the world. I love being North American. I love being from the United States. I love when I land and coming into customs and they look at me and say, welcome home. They say, welcome home when they stamp my passport. Thanks for coming back. Do you have fun? You don't have anything explosive in that bag, do you? I always ask that crazy question. Do you have any live animals in there? Do I look like I'm carrying live reptiles? But I say, no, sir. No, sir. I stand at attention. No, sir. Because I don't want to go to jail and have the mayor come get me out of jail. I don't want to, right? You see, folks, we need to meet others' needs even if mine are not being met. Now think with me. Picture Christ on the cross. Jesus is doing the most important work ever. The most important work ever been done. He is dying for the sins of our wretched souls. He's gone to Calvary's cross to meet our need. He's not looking for his needs to be met. He's looking to meet the needs of others. Kingdom values are completely opposite of American values. American values say, I want to get to the top no matter whatever it takes. I want what I can get when I can get it for however long I can keep it. 
kingdom values are completely saying, I want to increase the kingdom, to use what I have to increase the kingdom. Romans chapter 15, verse two through three says, each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says, when God's children are in need, be the one to help them out. Get into the habit of investing, inviting guests out for, or for home for dinner. Or if they need lodging, give them a night's lodging. Folks, let me tell you something. One of the things that struck me when I first arrived here as your transitional pastor, the thousands of pounds of food that we give away a week what an amazing ministry. I get that text message from Miss Jenny on about Friday. Don't forget, guys, we got a truck to unload Monday. And I said, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I'm just being blatantly honest. There's been a time or two and said, why have I got to unload that truck? Does she not know that I am the great transitional pastor of this church? Ben and I have got more important things to do. We just let Lewis do it. He's not here, so we, we pound on him, don't we, Pastor Paul, right? But then when I get here, and it's cold, and that truck's out there about to knock the wire down, and, and we're, we got those pallets, and we're cracking that stuff, that shrink, that shrink wrap off of there, and we get the hand trucks, and man, we need to invest in some more hand trucks, Amen. Because the one we got is not too sporty, right? We got these little carts that are all over the place. And we got these volunteers that should be drinking coffee at Starbucks. And they're here helping too. And it's an exciting day. And now I get out there and I say, this is why I'm doing it. Because I'm, I'm part of meeting the need of someone else. I could find something else better to do, I think. But at that moment... It is the most important thing we do. Why? Because we have an opportunity to meet the need of someone that's hungry. That's called loving like Jesus loved. I make no bones about it. I'm very sympathetic to single moms. Single moms have a big, heart in my heart I mean they're doing it all they're mama they're daddy they're taking care of stuff I mean they're getting kids to school wiping noses changing clothes washing clothes fixing meals packing backpacks single moms amaze me they could pretty much get the run of the meal on my watch get whatever they want now, I'm not gonna let them abuse the church but we can take care of them but brothers and sisters, there's another group of women that really also get my attention. That's the working mom. That's the mom who works outside the home. Now, I love you moms that stay at home. My, mom, my wife was this, we chose to dial back her lifestyle so that we could have stay-at-home moms. She went to work for me. Actually, she makes all the money. I don't, I don't even, it just carries my name on the man. I don't make any money. I don't make a dime. She gets all the money. But that's okay. I get, she feeds me every now and then. Working moms, they are special. Single moms, and then the widows. My dad gave me a bit of advice. He said, son, they can do two things in ministry. They won't, they, they'll, they'll forgive you for a lot of things, 
But if you don't take care of the widows, I'm going to kill you. He was very blunt about that. He took his position as a deacon very seriously. He took it so serious that he said, if we talk about finances in deacons meeting, I'm out of there because that's not what we're supposed to do. Our responsibility is to take care of the widows and the orphans. I don't see that we're supposed to read the balance sheet. It's time for deacons to become deacons, amen? It's time for the leadership to step up and realize that we have a responsibility and the older that we're getting, and folks, we're getting older. Just look around the room. We need to learn to meet the needs even if ours is not being met. So I'm gonna wrap it up. How do you hurt, how do you walk through this portion of life? It's hard to help when you're grieving. Picture Mary at the foot of the cross, her son beaten, beaten to a bloody pulp, forced to drag his own cross up the Via Della Rosa nailed to the cross for the sins of the world, and she's standing there. She's grieving. How do you help? First of all, you remember Jesus cares about your pain. Remember that Jesus cares about your pain. Even on the cross, he cares about the pain of his mom. Secondly, accept help from others. There's a lot of people in this world that won't accept the help. You'll just sit there and grieve and hurt. We have a ministry in this church. If you're grieving, it's called Grief Share. It is phenomenal. If you're grieving, come. Be a part. Walk in life who are going through the same struggles or have gone through them and have seen light on the other side. Accept help from others. And finally, Look for someone else to help. Every time that I'm hurting the most, when I get busy helping someone else, I start feeling a lot better. I start feeling a lot better. And Christ was the example. On the cross, when he was hurting the most, he reaches down to help his own mother. We need, when we need answers, on how to love, the answers are always found at the foot of the cross. The ground was incredibly level at the cross. Every one of us were guilty and every one of us are in need to learn how to love.